Welcome to Gain It For Riffs, uh, your podcast about riffs. Uh, the only one in the world so far. I uh, have looked a little bit. Uh, seems like there is maybe something, but I haven't clicked further than that. Uh, <laughs> so far, so good, I think. And uh, So far, so good. This, this is a bit special, because this is the first time uh, that we're recording, and we are also on, on air, simultaneously. Are we? The show, yeah, the show is on air now, right? I mean, we're not live on air oh. now. But, <laughs> I, got, I froze but, I mean, up. Gain totally. it for riffs. It's a real thing now. It's a real yes. podcast. It's out there. Yeah, uh, we're. Uh, I mean, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit strange because we've been uh, really recording hard these few weeks to get as many episodes done as possible. So we're way ahead of schedule. Maybe this will be aired in like August or something. <laughs> now we're in May, but at the at the time of speaking, at the time of recording, we are live on uh, Anchor FM. Uh, we are live at Apple Podcasts, and we are live at Spotify. That feels really good. Feels like we're really on a roll here. Spotify is great for us. We're Swedes, so that's kind of the main uh, thing, I guess, around here in Europe. And I think Apple is bigger in the states, probably. Mm. Am I right? Yeah, I think Apple has 60% or, or something of the market in the, the States. If you have your own favorite podcatcher, you can't find Gain It For Riffs on there. Even when this aired, uh, please email us at gainitforriffs at gmail.com and we see what we can do about that. Shouldn't be a problem. No, and uh, with that said, let's hear it for the first riff of the day. I think uh, you wanted to start. Yeah, I did, I did. Uh, right. I was uh, spending the last couple of days with a new uh, favorite podcast, but, uh, Fenris Ponosk, by uh, Fenris of the band Dark Throne. Uh, okay. She's like a legendary drummer, also metal DJ and uh, 80s metal uh, professor, you could say. And I was listening to his show and I was getting inspired, should I do a Dark Throne riff maybe? Mm, that'd be cool. And then mm. I thought, there's just one band from this whole 80s metal period that he really doesn't like. And I thought, oh, maybe I'll do that band instead, you know, okay. because he likes all the good stuff, but uh -huh. for some reason he doesn't like this band. So I went kind of reversed and picked this. So let's see if you can recognize it, right? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's heavy stuff. It's really chunky. From the 80s, you say? Yeah, from the 80s. Okay, I can't pick it out. Uh, you have to help me. Uh, really right. drawing a blank already, but I really liked it. Another cool riff from the same song, just because I want to play it. Is it, blank. Uh, is it uh, Peace Sells But Who's Buying? Correct album. Oh. P from Peace Sells uh, But Who's Buying. Ah. 1986. Uh, of course, the band is Megadeth. Megadeth. And the song, uh, I'm not going to torture you with guessing. It's uh, quite a weird title, but uh, a fan favorite. It's called uh, The Conjuring. The Conjuring. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. So we have our first Megadeth riff on the show. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, uh, this is such a classic in. In the 80s, and this is a theory of mine why, for example, Fenris and Nick Andersson of Helicopters 
don't really like Megadeth. They don't really want to be seen with the uh, as Megadeth fans. And I think it is because in the 80s, they were so behind Metallica and it was that whole dichotomy. Who's oh, yeah. the best band? Do you, yeah. do you like Metallica or do you like the, the Rebels in Megadeth? Exactly. In the 80s, they didn't do that much good, except for this album from 1986, Peace Sells But Who's Buying, which is yeah. kind of, you know, it's almost too many good riffs on it. It was hard to choose from this song alone. And then you have the whole record. I think he's really like, he's really honing his, his strengths <laughs> to try and, you know, get up to the other guys, you know, get up to speed because he's kind of, you know, the odd one out, as most guys know. And uh, I think this record, it gains from it. It's like he's really putting his heart into riffing here. He's like, he has to be in a riff show, I think, because he's made some of my absolute favorite riffs and so many of them. Uh, what would you say about Dave Mustaine as a riffer, uh, as a uh, riff maestro? I, 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 I wanted to latch on to something you said. The, yeah, in the beginning of uh, there, you said uh, that he was trying to, you know, um, catch up to the big boys. And you can really hear that on his on their first album, "Killing Is My Business" and "Business Is Good," as it's yeah. called. It's really like uh, super fast, but <laughs> it feels, uh, yeah, you know, too fast for comfort. Sort of, it's really uh, it's kind of sloppy, uh, which is nice. Yeah. But uh, on this album, I feel and the the later ones, it's so precise. It's like uh, it's really mechanical almost. It's it's crazy how precise it is. Yeah, it, the first one oozes some kind of stress, doesn't it? Yeah. Stress and maybe overindulgence in, uh, I don't know, even know if we can list the drugs because there were so many, <laughs> I think. Like, uh, I heard the guys picked, uh, some of the guys in the band picked the studio either for Killing Is My Business or, or um, So Far So Good So What, which was released after Peace Cells. But it's kind of a, that one is kind of a step back, actually. It's kind of messy again. Uh, anyway, the, I think his bandmates picked the studio because they had heard rumors that. The Grateful Dead had hidden their drugs in the garden <laughs> <the> studio. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Apparently, they were walking about with the metal detectors, <laughs> like wasting studio time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just you know, oh, it's hard to, to know if that's true, but it was. Dave said it, and it's hilarious, right? <laughs> it's just beyond fucked up in you know in yeah. sunny California in the backyard of the studio in the garden with <laughs> metal detectors looking for drugs. <laughs> metal detectors, yeah, but he could have used that for his riffing, I think. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's the problem, like I said, with the 80s, like you also addressed, that this one is really precise. It really sounds like Megadeth, but both So Far So Good So What and the, the, the debut, Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good, are kind of sloppy and weird and strange production. They don't really come yeah. across. So I think that's why they, they didn't leave a mark as a, one of the titans. The other bands were just going from uh, clarity to clarity, as we say. In yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange when you think about it that their their biggest albums came in the nineties when this music was kind of yeah. uh, not exactly. over. But I mean, Metallica had gone uh, had had left it already behind them. You know, they have gone for the Black Album, and they were heading towards Reload uh, via yeah. Load, of course. But uh, then you have uh, metal classics like. Uh, uh, Rust in Peace, uh, and yeah, sure, 1990, which is almost is technically yeah. the okay. 80s. Okay, I mean everything is 80s about it. It's just that it's 1990, yeah. and it's a little bit more of that. It has some of that flavor, but it's really like that's where they got the the classic lineup, which is you know without a doubt the mm. best Megadeth lineup. If you say something else, you know uh, it's fun to discuss with these guys that would claim anything. I mean, else, Dave, El not, Dave Elvison, uh, Nick Mensah, Marty Friedman. Okay, now we said it. 
Yeah, we said det at sound really. <laughs> anyway, Nick Menz on, on drums, Martin Freeman lead guitar and Dave Ellison. Vi får klippa ihop det där på något sikt. Vi, vi sa det liksom bak och fram. fram. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. So. Uh, yeah. That's. Uh, that's the. I guess the. The unlucky faith of. Of. Of Dave Mustaine in a way that when they got like the best lineup, the golden lineup, Metallica, they became something else. Yeah. They. You know. They entirely. They left metal entirely and took over the world of music and stagecraft. Exactly. Completely. So he was still as much in the shadow, the poor guy. Yeah, but uh, still, he, I mean, he he does his own thing. You know, that you have to commend him for that. And uh, I would like to go back to the riff, and uh, maybe you can sure. uh, uh, dissect it for us. Yeah, I wanna I wanna go for describing the feeling of the riff. We had like a, an an early screening of this show, and that the the only. Th- Thing my friend asked for was like remember to tell the guys what you feel when you play the riff so <laughs> i try i try and remember that because it's fun to do and for this one this sounds to me very like uh, it's this american punkish heavy metal scene in like uh, the sewers of new york you know kind of uh, rats playing riffs with huge uh, high top sneakers on and you know they're mean and they got yeah. lives and shit <laughs> you know the, the kind of vibe i'm describing yeah, the- there, right 80s New York, uh, rough. Yeah, they could be in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, uh, Turtles, some some kind of mutated uh, rat <laughs> wearing sneakers. <laughs> exactly, and the riff has this ryth- rhythmical groove that really like that's what cements it, in my opinion. Like. <laughs> kind of uh, right oh yeah it has it's, it's like a cool very cool drummer making a riff i mean you kind of feel the drums uh, uh but i we don't always uh talk about that but the the drums here i'm wondering what is it uh, uh it's a is it a half time riff or is it uh yeah it kind of breaks down the song yeah and it's kind of based on the chorus which is cool the chorus is a, is a loop uh, that goes something like uh, let's see if i remember it Uh, uh, uh. Also a cool riff, right? Oh, it's a bit uh, hyp- hypnotic, almost. It, it's really right. It do- doesn't end on uh, on the tonic. It feels like it just has this drive. It's a bit like suspend, uh, suspended in the air. Yeah, a lot of those riffs from that album have this go-around feeling, you know. Mm. It's uh, also, um, it's, I'm going to drop another riff here because it's also a good one. It's <laughs> sure. from Wake Up Dead, the song prior. And it has mm-hmm. this kind of... Like merry-go-round or something, right? Like yeah. you said. Yeah. It has this kind of carousel effect. Yeah, it, it's uh, it has a distinct um, signature that it leaves on this riff, which made me, uh, while I didn't know the song, I, I kind of had to guess. Uh, I, it was easy to guess that it was Dave Mustaine who was playing it. I haven't really listened to their um, 80s stuff so much, yeah. uh, but I know the the, nine, the yeah the early 90s stuff, of course, uh, by heart. Uh, but then I felt there was... Uh, it was one part of the second riff that you played that really like latched on and was like, oh, the, yeah, that's oh, yeah. can't be anyone else than Dave Mustaine. And he has, has that in his riff. Because that riff is fairly quick, right? Fairly fast. And to quickly dissect it uh, with theory, a lot of these riffs have the uh, Diabolus in Musica, the, the tritone, the um, lower yeah. fifth. 
to create the tension, which will happen over and over in, in this show, because it's, it's just great for riffs. Uh, sure. But they never really linger on it. It's kind of, you know, like a quick, a quick stain of red paint. Kind of yeah. like that, you know. It's been played two times there, but you don't really feel that much of the that kind of vibe. It's not doing yeah. at all. It's more yeah. very awoken, right? It's very like you're super awake down the, in these in these sewers. It's yeah, like, no, but uh, I f- f- yeah. think what, what you said there. I mean, what we're uh, what we're talking about that he's really in a hurry, always, always in a hurry. They must end. Yeah. Oh, in, in a hurry to start the song to get to the solo. <laughs> To yeah. get like five, Many six, seven riffs into uh, after the solo before the outro, and then exactly. maybe an extra outro. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And I think as a, as a teenager, I love, I'd love that. St- I love that thing. You know, I didn't want to <laughs> hear the uh, the perfect uh, catchy song structure. I like the riff feasts, or as we talked about before, riff piling. But this yeah. is riff piling done well, I would say. And uh, then in that fast riff that you could find uh, the album through, it also has the. <laughs> But up here, so he has the, yeah. which I mean, it sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think what what made me uh, realize it was Damon saying was that yeah, again uh, rhythm, yeah. right? He has mm. shit tons of rhythm in his music, and if I'm mm. if I remember correctly, I think the other stuff that he liked, aside of Iron Maiden and such, was a kind of soul music and uh, groovy music of the states. Yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, he. he it's quite groovy, yeah. There's a lot of groovy parts, and you look at him, and he looks like uh, Conan O'Brien with long hair. You know, like <laughs> yeah, very stiff, much. angular uh, frame, and uh, yeah. But now he almost looks like he's steel uh, operated. I don't know what that is in English, but you know, your yeah. spine is uh, fused. Uh, he doesn't move that much. No, and I think that's also a curse for Megadeth. That I mean, I I completely adore Dave Mustaine. Actually, I love his riffing, and I think his attitude somehow sometimes uh, quite often maybe it falls short but it's still so entertaining i just love listening to him in interviews and stuff and uh, i mean there's like two sides to him one that is very intelligent and knowledgeable and then another side that is maybe scared of the world or something and you know always Mm. on the fence always defending himself like you know trying to stay on top of things and the collision is a bit cute but i think that that's not my problem with him his personality his riffing is great i even like his strange voice rat like Mm. Kind of sounds mm. like, uh, uh, you know, sounds like an evil rat or something. Before mm. I say what his real problem is, I want to ask you what you make of his voice. Can you stand it? You hate it? In which team uh, are you there? <laughs> no, I like it. Uh, I just uh, I just started thinking about uh, uh, that uh, lyric line: uh, "Led rats through the streets." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Good song too. From. Classic. You take a mortal man and put, put him, him in control. control. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool. It's Watch like, him it's, become it's, a god. Yeah, but it, it's like he he he, he should dub uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He should be a you know voice actor. Yeah, he right. makes a perfect Krang, for instance. Okay, so I take you as a fan of his voice too, then. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's cool, right? So there we go. I like his voice. I like his riffs. I like his obnoxious <laughs> personality. I like everything, but still, there is a huge problem with Dave Mustaine that I think really dragged back Megadeth 
for all these mm-hmm. years. And yeah, can you guess what it is? There's not too much qualities left in a, you know, being a singer and guitar player in Megadeth. I don't know. I his I don't think he has that much charisma. Yeah, you're pretty much on the money there. My yeah. problem is him as a frontman on a stage. He just yeah. doesn't do that well. He should be on the sidelines, you know, ripping out his fast leads, ripping out his fast riffs, and just headbanging, you know, a fury of hair. You can't see him. Yeah. And now he's kind of standing there in the middle, quite uncomfortably and awkwardly, right? I would say. And yeah. the hair always covering his face, so you don't see his eyes. There's no crowd contact whatsoever involved when he's playing. So it's almost like, you know, it's almost like he's in the studio, just doing a take yeah. in the studio and then saying thank you afterwards. Yeah, I think maybe. that really I mean, held them back. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, you, you look at the other band, I mean, you look at Metallica, Yeah, the most charismatic guy is in the front, arguably, I mean, Lars Ulrich maybe. <laughs> but, I think I Lars mean, is charismatic too, in his own way. Yeah, but then, uh, then for... Well, I mean, yeah, you're probably right if you look at Anthrax. Uh, Scott Ian, he's the guitarist, but I mean, and he is, he looks fun. He looks like he is a funny guy, and he, but he's on the sidelines. He, he's not yeah. a singer, yeah, and exactly. uh, maybe that would have been. Uh, I mean, yeah, they must stay in Metallica. You know, he yeah. he would have done good there. I think if they hadn't had their famous, infamous falling out, for sure. And his riffs work really well in Metallica. We all know because they still perform mm-hmm. those riffs live. Yeah. <laughs> they are written by Dave Mustaine. Now, almost every show, if not even every single show, there is a Dave Mustaine riff here and there, yeah. and just lifting the whole thing and. Scott Ian is a good example. He wouldn't be a good frontman. It's good that he's just on his guitar. You know, he can do whatever he wants. And uh, Jeff Hanneman, he couldn't do it a frontman gig. He would look like shit. Yeah. But when he's on the side with his ridiculous, uh, what is he wearing? Sometimes some kind of <laughs> knee protection from for sports. Uh, I don't know. It's a ridiculous <laughs> outfit. But he's just headbanging like uh, in a frenzy and looks pretty cool in his band. Yeah, no. He couldn't. He couldn't front it. Slayer knee no. Tom Mariah. For sure, and uh, Megadeth, yeah, well, they got Dave, but they don't have a frontman. No, I mean, you, normally you would do, uh, like like with Slayer, you have the you have two frontmen, really. Or like, there may be, maybe a better, a better um, example is ACDC. You have Angus Young and you have Bon Scott. Exactly. And, uh, Brian Johnson. I mean, the, the, you share those duties, you know, yeah. so... Or uh, or Maiden with Steve Harris and Bruce Dickinson. Yeah, I I think you're, and I guess you're right there that uh, they, um, Dave Mustaine w- wants to carry everything on his shoulders, and uh, this doesn't work. With him leaving Metallica, I think it was less about his behavior because, from what I heard, they were all kind of like that. Like Hetfield was a nasty drunk too, so I think it was yeah. really more about not being able to carry on with three leaders in a band, you know. It's yeah. just not possible. Nope. Uh, even sure. two is difficult. Like they've had their struggles, Lars and James. Yeah. Add Dave to that, and that would be a disaster. They couldn't make it. I'm quite sure. So in that sense, I've never really mourned that. I never really saw a possibility of them carrying on doing Ride Lightning, Master Puppets with uh, with with Mustaine. I don't think they could have held up. Yeah, no. It would have been weird to imagine. Uh, yeah, the Black Album with Dave Mustaine. <laughs> would have been super. St- yeah, yeah that's kind of weird, right? And then when he started to get too influenced by that, I think he also like lost a lot of his energy. I think his pop albums yeah. are pretty good, but they lack the kind of drive and energy that I would want from his from his right hand. 
Yeah, I mean, he's on another. You know, he's a he's a, he's a notch lower. Unfortunately, he's on another level. He he does good with what he has, but yeah. I mean, as an artist, as an artist, he's he's on a lower level. And then, funnily enough, Kirk is much worse of a guitar player uh, than Dave. Like, there's no doubt there, but it doesn't really matter. Like, Kirk is no. kind of perfect for Metallica in a way, exactly. which is hard to describe. And uh, yeah, now they got two Kirks because him and Rob are yeah. basically the same guy, right? No, but they're just lubri lubricants, so that makes everything work smoothly. You know, never yeah. saying anything to upset <laughs> the yeah, status exactly. quo. It's perfect. But I think, yeah, Dave Mustaine is very entertaining. It's really fun that he's carried on with Megadeth and always like a little bit of a bad luck guy, I would feel like. Mm. He's always been a little bit on the, on the bad side of luck. But he's made so many great riffs. And recently, like the last album, Dystopia, is actually very good. It has oh, a really? lot of, it yeah. kind of leans back towards 80s or early 90s, you know, Rust in Peace, so forth. Mm -hmm. But it does it in a way that um, I think all Megadeth fans can enjoy. And there's yeah. a lot of self-theft uh, in there, like they steal old choruses and stuff. And I don't know how many times they've done the chorus from Trust, for example. I think four songs <laughs> have that same chord sequence. And, uh, but that's kind of what Metallica are doing these days too, uh, like stealing their own old stuff and reinventing yeah. it. And maybe that's a good way to go at that age of a band. I don't know if it's too late to restart the band, uh, to restart Megadeth as a shoegazer band and <laughs> don't even try to <laughs> make contact with audience. <laughs> because musically, it's so far from what they're doing. Like he's, fa he's famous for his dry tone, like dry martial sticky tone. And then yeah. for him to go up there with like tons of delay pedals, that would, that would be something. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, I don't, I don't mean the 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 music, but but the the attitude and the like energy it would be perfect. But perfect. yeah, but that's kind of what he's doing, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, be more. Don't even work. try to talk to the audience. Don't even try, yeah. you know. <laughs> Hide behind the amp like Robert Fripp. It's perfect. Yeah. He's a machine for funny quotes too. I don't remember <laughs> too many off the top of my head. A favorite one is when he was faced with the question or. Are you gonna do something similar to S and M? It was around 1999 when Metallica <laughs> did the Symphony and Metallica. Oh, yeah. I was like, "Are you gonna do anything similar? Are you inspired by this idea?" You know, I was like, "Yeah, you know, we already had. Uh, there's a song called Symphony of Destruction, and we had before the song starts. There's an orchestra tuning up. So been there, done that." <laughs> <laughs> it, it's yeah. silly, right? It makes so little sense. <laughs> Everyone has heard that uh, in the beginning. It's a second. Oh. Come on, Dave, it's a second of music. You're comparing it to a two-hour <laughs> collaboration with the symphony orchestra. You got a second sample, and you're like, ah, we've already done that. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a funny level of lying, I would say. I, I think my favorite, I mean, it's kind of, uh, you know, established now that it is, it is an okay way of sitting and playing uh, Flying Wii, but when he explained in a radio show uh, <laughs> how he puts... <laughs> His flying, his flying V guitar over his uh, thigh to play it sitting down, you know, like so the yep. the neck is standing straight up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was just so funny. And, uh, yeah, the oh. personally, I, def I defend that personally. I love sitting. Yeah, with I know. I, I love V's yeah. in general. Uh, I don't haven't played one lately, but uh, I love them and uh, sitting down with them because sometimes with my strat, I try and put it in the classical position, just because you get a little better reach and and so forth. Mm. But uh, I'm doing it now, and it's a little, it's a little, you know, uncomfortable there. With a V, it just sits. 
is keep the classic <laughs> position. It's fine. Maybe it looks ridiculous, but does it really? It's still awesome. It's still a flying V. Yeah. I don't know. No, I don't know. I, it's uh, it, it's just like made no sense when he said it. It sounded crazy, <laughs> but yeah. yeah. I guess so. Yeah. It's, it's his charisma. It goes against him, right? Yeah, Everything he says becomes a bit funny, even when he's being smart. Can you can you play the intro riff to uh, Hangar 18? I think yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then you then you go listen to Call of Cthulhu, and then uh, you can go home. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, I would I would uh, like to um, kind of um, urge anyone to enjoy Dave's parts in Metallica too. Like, go to those songs with his writing credits on because they're all killer. Mm. Like none of them are, are bad songs. They are really cool songs, and you get those riffs. Like there's the Hangar 18 um, uh, Cthulhu thing, right? Then there's obviously Mechanics and Four Horsemen, but mm. I prefer Four Horsemen. It's a much more reasonable tempo, but there's still cool riffs in there. And then uh, you, you have Jump in the Fire, maybe not his strongest, and uh, also in F Phantom Lord. Phantom Lord is completely him. This, the the part in the middle when when he's plucking. Is uh, kind of similar or almost the same as in Captive Honor on uh, on the album Countdown to Extinction, and he yeah. even says "Kill them all" on that part. So it kind of you know <laughs> leans back there. Okay. He's good with wordplay as well, funny lyrics, uh, referring to his own career and stuff. Yeah, just go and enjoy yeah. his stuff. It's cool. It's cool shit. Nice. Okay, uh, why don't you play it one more time? Yeah, I'll finish it off. Uh, it's a cool riff. Uh, imagine rats in the sewers, uh, pr probably on amphetamine, knives in their belts, and uh, with huge high-top sneakers, and they're doing some do uh, dodgy deals. And it sounds like this. <laughs> You nice, nice. Okay, um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go in a completely different direction. Ooh. Although it it's uh, a heavy riff, it's uh, very far away from Megadeth. So uh, let's see what you think. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit like the, the, a similar groove or a kind of 
sewer rat compatible, I would say. Ah, okay, yeah, but maybe, it sounds maybe, earlier. Maybe it sounds earlier than than my riff because oh, it has the, yeah, the yeah, feldbar yeah. blues um, chord change in it, and uh, mm-hmm. kind of hard for me to identify. There was like a little part there where I thought, okay, I know it now. It's gonna come, and then it kind of didn't. So I don't know what riff it is. Uh, let me guess that it's a little bit older. That it would be like a seventies riff. Yeah, definitely seventy-one. Uh, yeah, the country even, yeah. is Sweden. Maybe that helps. Mm, yeah, that really helps. Actually, could uh, it be November? Yes. Nice. Of That's why you know, they use a lot of those uh, twelve-bar blues type structures, yeah, yeah. they have that kind of traditional, but always slightly heavier, you know, than the yeah, other bands. I mean, uh, that was cool. Which, which which song? So you say seventy-one. Uh, yeah. It's from Andra November then, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't have that album, so I'm mm. kind of lost there. I uh, it, spent a lot of time with the album before uh, before that, and En Ny Tid Är Här, A New Time is. is Here. And uh, the other one is called simply Andra November, which means the 2nd of November, like in a calendar. And it's from that album, but I have no clue what the song title would be. The song is called Men Mitt Hjärta Ska Vara Gjort Av Sten, But My Heart shall be made out of stone yeah and it's it's super uh heavy song um and i uh, i was uh, reading a little bit about them and i was you know i was kind of struck the first album uh came out a new city here a new time is here has come uh came out in 1970 same year as the first black sabbath album uh they're often november is often hailed as uh, sweden's uh first uh heavy rock band hard rock band i would say um, yeah. but i think you have to go to the second album which came out in 1971 to fi- find something that is like truly heavy and i'll just play the uh, the the part that was actually the riff that i brought it, it's the, the the second part of what i played <laughs> And I mean, that's very cool, that's, man. That's very cool. It's, it's, it's really has, nice. It is very close to Iomi, but still not really. Yeah. Like, do, do, they, do you know they, what what's lacking? I'll play it as he would play it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Did you hear the change there? Did you 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 had one more ringing note or? No, I, I moved the thrill up one semitone. Ah, okay. And it becomes it more, more evil. evil. Yeah, because the original <laughs> is more like a bar piano. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like fro- instead of that, which is cool, but then you go to you can yeah. with the, with the without the context is a bit maybe a bit hard to hear, but I'll play both of them after each other. Yeah, yeah. I would say they're equally cool. I like both. Yeah. And yeah. I think those little small differences make it apparent that uh, November, they didn't have time to listen to Sabbath. The first album was released the same year as, as Sabbath debut, yeah. debuted. Yeah. So obviously they have like a similar um, taste beforehand, right? It's mm. something there. They're totally, totally right. They were uh, into uh, you know, these bands with very similar names like Cream and Vanilla Fudge. 
Sure. Uh, <laughs> and bad, so was Richie Blackmore, names. actually. Uh, Richie Blackmore, which we addressed back in episode three. Uh, he was uh, mm. in um, very into Vanilla Fudge, which was kind mm. of, you know, the 60s band that kind of spawned metal together with yeah. perhaps Spooky Tooth and the Kinks. Yeah, I would say it's uh, it's a bunch, uh, really like a lot of uh, English uh, heavy rock uh, bands that come, so heavy blues band, the bands that come out in the end of the 60s. I mean, there, there are so many. I, found, I find new ones every year. You know? and, uh, uh, and of course, they, they uh, inspired uh, November, Black Sabbath, Richie Blackmore, all of them at the same time. But uh, every, every band takes different things. And I think November also, uh, I think what, what makes them stand out is yeah, the Swedish vocals. So we should address that, that they sing sure. in Swedish. Um, which, uh, I mean, it, it was kind of uh, common around yeah. uh, uh, that time, but not really in the hard rock uh, scene. Uh, scene, but more in the prog scene. And when we're, <laughs> we're going to get to this, but the prog in, in Sweden is not progressive rock. It's, uh, uh, it's a... Uh, politically it's progressive. A, yeah, or left, politically left progressive. Basically, basically left-wing left rock. They're yeah, all left wing. Left. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes um, it coincides with them also being um, progressive musically, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah. They, they kind of a little bit of a, of a um, spillover there. But uh, definitely yeah. when you talk about prog in a Swedish sense, it's about politically progressive. And there's touches of that in November and also touches of uh, musically progressive. There's one riff that I instantly came thinking of when, we, when you pick November now, and it's... Uh, kind of like that. You know which song yeah. I'm referring to? Uh, is it Sekunder from Alas i Or not? Yeah, no, no, some, no. some of... Yeah. Actually, I don't remember the title now, but it's one of those uh, ti- uh, titles of the first. Maybe Leket du blir barn igen. Could be that one. Uh, wait, wait. Well, uh, no, it's another uh, word. Yeah, mm. it's the... Another word, uh, another world. And that one has yeah. very 60s rock, kind of psychedelic rock vibes to yeah. it. With a mixolydian vibe going on. With an open pedal note, uh, yeah, the the, string, the, right? Now you played Something it in like. minor, so now you sounded more like uh, "Painted Black" by Rolling Stones. Yeah. It's, it's oh, a yeah. major mix, mixolydian song. Something like that. It's so. fantastic, fantastic. Uh, the the first riff of 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 the first November album, I think, is really uh, great. <laughs> Mount Everest, visa me who International title on that one, Mount Everest. And it's like, yeah. a, that's such a typical stonerrock.com. Both the riff, the title, so like, uh, I'm going to be like the mountains. Yeah, uh, Mount yeah. Everest, show me what how you do this, you know, leaving all the world below. Yeah. <laughs> but it's um, so early, it, so that it's yeah. not like a stock at all. It's like at least it's almost like the blueprint of 
of, uh, of this whole style. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, there's a very famous riff uh, from Lee Found, Freelance Fiend. Do you know them? It's, uh, it's also like six, uh, end of 60s, uh, beginning I'm, of 70s. I, I'm what like the... slightly familiar with Lee Found, uh, but what I really know about them is that it was the most expensive record that Mikael yes. Åkerfeldt of Opeth ever bought. And he said, <laughs> like, yeah, it's this kind of third grade Led Zeppelin, but that particular record is very sought after. And he bought it from Good. like a, a drunk Norwegian down in, in the Netherlands, I think. He met yeah, this drunk Utrecht, Norwegian and yeah. bought it for like... <laughs> I don't know, like 3,000 euros or something like that. Uh, he, he, bought, he bought it for all the money he had made selling records. Yeah, so he had it all in cash. And he said that was very easy, you know. He didn't have to bring out any accounts. And he just gave him paid in cash. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, you have Lee Found, they, they released their, their first album. was called uh, Growers of Mushrooms, which is a really good album. But <laughs> okay. uh, it's, yeah, it's hard to find. But sure. the riff, uh, let's, I have to play it so good. Something like that. But I would like to uh, bring us back to Men with Hjärtas Gava Jort of Sten. Sure. The song that I The riff picked. at hand. The riff at hand. Uh, yeah. And I think it, it's... I really want to address the lyrics because I think they're really, they're really, uh, you know, they're really, they're really heavy. It's, uh, it's about uh, someone. Uh, yeah, I, I can. You want to do them in Swedish, and I try and translate to the best of yeah. my abilities. Or do you have like a good translation already in your mind? Ah, uh, no, no, it, you you can do that. It, it's really like they're a Stockholm band. Uh, they're from yeah, the same uh, city as we are from. If you haven't <laughs> figured it out, Stockholm. Uh, so they really sing in a Stockholm uh, accent. So they, they start off with Nu är det för sent för dig Du skulle gjort som jag sa Now it's too uh, late for you. You should have done what I said. Or you should yeah. have done it as how I said. Exactly. And En dag ska du komma krypande På dina bara knän Oh, yeah, det för sent. Vem är om förlåtelse? Men mitt hjärta ska vara gjort av sten. Yeah, so basically one day you will be coming, creeping on your knees. But it's too late for you at that time. Because my heart will be made of stone. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's really like, it, it's also the really like screaming and uh, it's really heavy. And then one of my favorite lines is... Uh, Nu är din tid förbi. Det är jag som har blivit för stor. <laughs> Your time You're... is over because I'm too great now. Oh, I become too big. And exactly. uh, you know, it's uh, it really sounds like it's really like uh, you know, it's it's a heavy riff and it's a heavy lyric. Um, yeah. But it's really it's interesting. I mean, they, they were so young when they started. They were kind of um, handpicked by promoters. They were in uh, they were in school. Still, they were in the high, in high in high school when they started. They were like around eighteen. All right. And when they did the last album, uh, the one uh, the third album, sixth uh, November, the sixth of November is the third album. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, the seventies for you. Always complicated yeah, with titles. Then the the guitarist Rich uh, Richard Rolf was only twenty years old, and then he never made music again because. Huh. Uh, their story is quite. Uh, they they were on the road. I mean, back then you were on the road. You you recorded the album as fast as possible, then you went on the road, and they were on the road every day. 
Like, yeah. and they also went to school, some of them, and so that became really stressful. And then you record uh, another album, and you go on the road again, and you don't spend too exactly. much time doing that, and there is no months off or anything. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you go home only to record another album and get back to where you belong, which is on the road. Yeah, and uh, back then, as uh, yeah, we should introduce the band. It's uh, of course uh, Rickard Rolf, uh, fantastic guitar player, uh, and Christer Stolbrandt. Uh, bass and uh, vocals and Björn Inge on drums. Uh, they were from Vällingby in uh, yeah, northwest of Stockholm. Cool. And uh, I wanted to address something about the lyrics yeah. there before I forget it, that I didn't know they were so young. And it kind of makes sense because it's like an incredible bitter perspective, you know, <laughs> like a perspective you have if you've been dumped for the first time uh, by your girlfriend, you know. Like, ah, I'm worth better or, you know, she doesn't know what she's losing there. And I think uh, as like uh, as as a kind of naive or um, slightly stupid it is to have that attitude. I think it works really well for song lyrics, and I quite enjoy songs with a bitter perspective. There's something uh, like rather energetic about it. I don't know. It has a yeah. kind of a, I guess dark energy or unfriendly but prideful energy to it. It works mm. well for for music. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, especially. Uh with like yeah like like i, I read some uh, an uh, interview with uh, Christer Stolbrandt uh, the vocalist uh, bass player and he said that they yeah they were kind of back then you didn't think that you would have a long career i mean they they were like sure. yeah, we'll make three albums and we tour every day yeah <laughs> then then we go on to something else i mean the they were like the beatles weren't together for that long you know like the it's uh, 5 years like of the, releasing they, records right yeah Maybe they're like uh, Rolling Stones that kept on going, but back then no one know, no one knew that that would happen. Sure. Uh, otherwise, it was all very volatile. It was all very floaty. Easy uh, come, easy would, go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, no, they, they kind of, you, you know, just stopped, stopped making music. Um, yeah. And that's uh, it's pretty insane to think. Like nowadays, uh, bands are together for 20 years. Sure, you know, sure. Like, I mean, this. Nope. Uh, I get two interesting thoughts out of this, and the first one is that I actually managed to see these guys live. They did a few reunion shows back in, uh, I think it was oh. in the OOS, uh, in between 2000 and 2010, oh, yeah. somewhere in between there. I saw them at the, the famous Sweden Rock Festival down in the south of... Oh Wisconsin. yeah, you're right! I, I saw that. them and it was uh, super good, uh, very, very good. I've seen a few of those uh, reunion acts and it's like a hit-miss. Sometimes it's uh, a bit of a shadow of their former selves. But here yeah. they had really good sound, tiny amps on stage. You know, they still used the, he used like, Rickard Rolf used like 112 or 110 speaker, which I love. I love small combo amps. I think he builds his own or, or a friend of him builds them or something like that. Yeah. And they had just a great, very old school sound. You could tell that this is just a band straight out. They don't really have to ride the faders much in the front of house or anything. It's, uh, it's all right there. And the catalog yep. is not huge. Obviously, they played all the hits, and the Abramis Brahma guys were there, and you know, it was a ball. Yeah, nice. I was gonna get to them also. We, of course, we have an old favorite band of ours, which we always went to see. Uh, yeah, like 15 years ago, Abramis Brahma. They uh, kind of a natural successor of, uh, or they kind of took do the same thing. I would say yeah, they yeah, uh, pick up the torch or hard, whatever. They play hard rock, fast rock uh in in swedish and they also covered this song i think uh, yeah. this one and uh and a couple of others i'm sure um 
And I, I don't know, I think that's how I got into November, through their cover. I mean, yeah, credit is where credit's due, so... Sure, and sure. for me, I got into them by you. You showed me November, <laughs> alongside <laughs> okay. uh, another... You showed me a few awesome albums there in, in early high school, which I immediately bought uh, November. It was one, and Captain Beyond self-titled, which still might be the best album Ooh. ever made. And uh, then might you be. also showed me uh, Lord of the Rings, or Sagan of Ringen, Adaption by um, uh, Bo Hansson, great Hammond exactly. organist. I mean, that's uh, three immortal albums right there. Pretty good on you, I would say. Well done. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, uh, so like, if we go back in time, uh, November, they're, they're selling really good. They're on the, on the, to- they're on the top 10. They're on the second place. Uh, now I don't remember. I think I read they were after uh, ABBA, after Waterloo. They were second place uh, for a couple of weeks. No, that's okay to be behind ABBA. It's fine. Yeah, but uh, I also I also uh, understood that they didn't have any management, so they never sold any of the money. It's just uh, like yeah, it was just disappeared. So and they didn't know that they were gonna ma- were gonna make money or were entitled to money. So they yeah, yeah. I can see the bitterness also. Uh, that it took a long time for them to make a reunion, you know, like when when a new re- generation, even like three generations later, discovers their music, you know, that's when, yeah, okay, yeah, then it feels good to make a reunion. But before that, I can imagine it was a lot of bitterness. Yeah, back then every band was ripped off. Black Sabbath were ripped off severely. It was just that they were so big, so they could still see some of that money coming eventually. But yeah. uh, I've heard that they were piss poor around the, the middle of the 70s when they should have been huge. So there was a lot of, as we say in Swedish, svin around that time, which is yeah. you know, money uh, dripping away uh, yeah. <laughs> over uh, being like, what's the English word for that? Skimmed. Money is being skimmed along yeah. the way in, in yeah, the 70s exactly. rock scene. And also you have to think about, that's the other thing I came to think about, is that this was Sweden in the 70s. And uh, mm. we weren't a rock nation uh, by any stretch. We had the ABBA, basically, that's it. And there was, uh, I listened to Radio Fenris the other day, and uh, there was this Scandi invasion in the 80s, where everyone, mm. you know, with the, in the wake of Europe, and bands like TNT uh, from Norway, um, that's when kind of we really made an international mark. Uh, 70s Swedish rock is like sadly missed, I think. Well, you, you, haven't really heard, uh, you haven't heard Neon Rose? Uh, I have not heard Neon Rose. <laughs> Really, uh, you recognize that? uh, I recognize the descending, like (laughs) like you're descending in between power chords and uh, and sixths, like uh, ACDC style, aren't you? Yes. Sounds like that. Yeah, uh, uh, this is. Re- I, I didn't. I didn't plan to get into this, but I. I just uh, took a deep dive yeah. and I discovered a band I never heard about. Uh, Neon Rose. Should <laughs> check them out. Uh, they have an album called Reload. <laughs> All right. Their third album. And, uh, where are <laughs> we geographically and time-wise? Uh, in Stockholm, and uh, okay. we're in 1974. Uh, so a bit later, uh, but they they are considered the first like uh, heavy metal band by their fans if i listen to it yeah i would say you know like it, it's very close to the, my, this other favorite riff yeah uh, 
det är special all around you a good loving gone bad <laughs> but I think they do it really well this something like that sure. uh, Neil Rose anyway uh, it's really interesting to listen to them because the the, the singer <laughs> I mean, we talked about Ossie and Dio Ossie singing uh, on the riff and Dio yeah. singing on the chord and then you have the thir- three uh, third type of singer okay <laughs> let's hear it realize, what can I be he doesn't realize there are any chords or any <laughs> okay. riff he just, he just sings, sings. <laughs> <laughs> I love that actually you can make that work it, it'll be quirky yeah. for sure I, I remember being that sort of singer sometimes uh, when sure. we had a band back sure, in the day. Sure, don't think about it. Don't even try and nail nail it. Just sing. No, <laughs> but I, I was really, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I, I recognize this this guy. But you should listen to Neon Rose. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Swedish heavy metal from 70s and 80s, it's a little bit of a goldmine there. Uh, in the yep. 80s, there's a band like Heavy Load, stupid mm. name. And I watched Never uh, heard. one of their live clips and I was like, whoa, this is actually pretty cool, like OG uh, yeah. heavy metal. And the, like cool. they were ridiculous clothes. Uh, the the bass player had some, some kind of, uh, what's his name, David Copperfield hat, but it was on his shoulder, you know, like uh, in the tail of a of, of a fox or something. <laughs> Just too way too much smoke machine. It looked ridiculous, mm. but sounded pretty cool. And I think Candlemas were early '80s as well. And there, this is a gold oh, yeah. mine there of, of, of Scandinavian Swedish heavy metal for sure. Yeah. '70s and '80s. In the 70s, we didn't have so much. Uh, so actually, what, what was going on, which I alluded to in the beginning, it uh, was the time of the age of prog, the more left-oriented uh, music. And it was uh, like, it was called, uh, what did they call it? Musikrörelsen? Uh, Maybe something uh, like that, yeah. It was kind of a, a movement. And you had, either you were in the movement or you were against the movement. And... Uh, Abba for sure, for for sure, were hated by the too commercial uh, by the prog, uh, <laughs> by the prog scene. They're making too much money. Yeah, and and in in reviews for November, uh, written by Thomas Tengby now on uh, Swedish radio, he writes that don't listen to November. They have a tour bus. You should listen to Nynningen instead. They don't <laughs> have a tour bus. Stuff like this. Yeah, you have to deal with of... as a rock and roll fan. Uh, yeah, it's a bit, uh, you know, one-dimensional maybe that view. But yeah. for sure, I love me some National Theot and uh, me too. Mikael me too. Rammel. I mean, it's great. But uh, um, November was for sure on, they, you know, they they were, they had a tour bus. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That kind of sets them apart. <laughs> National uh, Theater is also a recommendation. National Theater, National Theater. It's spelled like that, like a national theater in one word without any H's in theater. And uh, yeah. That's a cool band from the West Coast, from, from the Gothenburg area. One of my early favorite Swedish song songs was Kolla Kolla, which is kind of song about uh, a guy coming out of uh, jail. And now he's uh, not really favored by society, trying to make it, but it's hard. And uh, they kind of have a cool perspective, the, the left wing stuff. I mean, as you said, some of it is completely naive and annoyingly so, I would say. I mean, Gain It For Ifs. Is not going to get political here, but it kind of really, uh, you know, emphasizes how stupid some of that left-wing movement was and naive. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, National Theater they kind of get away with it, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I can, I can, I guess you kind of see it for what it is. Uh, uh, and it, it, it was like the the whole seventies was like that. You know, like the you look at television and. 
everything. I mean, now we're on the other side of the spectrum, I would argue, but uh, the 80s was also a reaction to that. But uh, uh, for sure, you have to, you can't listen to everything there. Like, you, who, I don't know anyone who listens to New Nian today, but uh, National Theater <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and it's great music. I mean, that's also. It was kind of yeah. That that was when uh, when when uh, November played that uh, famous Jadesfesten, which was like a Swedish Stockholm version of Woodstock. Um, the critics uh, they they sågade om vid fotknölarna. They sawed off their foot. No, they really uh, gave them uh, basically they shat on them. Yeah, they exactly because they said they can actually play. They're too good and. Mm. Uh, Already yeah, getting commercial was, there, you know, learning how to yeah, play. Very commercial yeah. move. Yeah, so it was more like the, the idea that everyone can play. That was the... Which is, I mean, nice, but I don't, I don't, I know what I prefer. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> interesting, so interesting. Have, it's always interesting so, to dive into Sweden. And please, if you're an international listener, give us some feedback Do you like when we head into Swedish territories and kind of obscure Swedish stuff or... You, or do you not like it? You know, I'm interested to know because uh, it will happen and again. And you know, I'm just interested to know if it's interesting or not to dive into these uh, weird Swedish territories, music-wise. We sure like it. Yeah. You know this one. <laughs> I don't know more than that. I just made it. I recognize that, but uh, what is it? Well, you have uh, the great uh, Kevin Akaiso also, who uh, oh, is okay. definitely a rock band and more uh, progressive, I would say, than prog. Uh, also, like an in-between band. that They, they weren't par- really part of the uh, prog movement, but they played the same. They played those shows sure. and they were well-liked. They also weren't... Uh, they sang in Swedish and they used a lot of uh, folk music. Um, this was, I, I totally butchered Förberedelser till Fest from their first I, album. Uh, I worked a lot with, uh, with, I worked a ton with Kenny Håkansson of that band. Mm. I did sound for his uh, new projects, like, um, I think I worked with him nine or ten times. Wow. He uh, still is a very good guitar player. No, for sure. Um, I think I'll play the riff one more time. Because I think we went through. We're, uh, yeah, we're on time. We're on time. We're past time. Or yeah, it's it's an episode, <laughs> <laughs> I think. So uh, let's hear it again. <laughs> Listeners, uh, November versus Megadeth. Who will win in your mind and hearts? Mega I, November uh, Death. Uh, <laughs> what were you going to uh, say? <laughs> what did you say? Mega November Death. <laughs> yeah. Makes no, uh, no, no, no. I, I, I know the perfect title. November's Death. November's Death. Oh, yeah. That's another one we'll touch on right now. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, dear listener, thanks for listening to this uh, little uh, dive into Megadeth and November. 
interestingly enough, those riffs did have some kinship. I think in the in the soul mm. groove uh, adapted from the sixties that they had yeah. been listening to both of them. And yeah, as always, a pleasure, Ole. That was fun. Great fun. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I was also a big fan of all the other riffs that came out here in in the end. Uh, actually, some of them I liked even more. Um, well, I'm looking forward yeah. to the next show. Uh, I have no idea what that's going to be about. That's the beauty of this show, that we have secret riffs every week. Uh, you have no idea what I'm going to pick. I have no idea what you're going to pick. And I'm always so excited. Yeah, completely undisclosed. So, again, dear listener, you might want to help us out a little bit. Give us a good review in iTunes, Apple Podcast, whatever it's called. And uh, also, tell your friends if they like riffs, if they like pods, uh, if they like uh, potentially like us, uh, send them <laughs> our way. Why not? Yes. You know, <laughs> we're still building this like a, it's a slow train picking up speed. So uh, I think that's it for this week. And uh, tune in next week. Two completely new riffs. Get it for riffs. Uh, we're going to be there for you every week. No breaks. You got anything le- more to add? Is uh, that it? Uh,